I'm Brooke Gurley, and you are listening to Untold Stories, the cases that shaped the civil rights movement, presented by Law and Crime. This podcast is the audio adaptation of my video series titled The Untold Stories of the Civil Rights Movement. And now, on to this week's episode. What's up, everyone? It's me, Brooke. Welcome back to my channel. This is part 10 of the Untold series, although I'm going to have to try to come up with some kind of cute little subtitle because part 10 is just it's not cute like one two three ten like no anyway but thank you for joining me for part 10 until i find a better name but part 10 of the untold series where i look at some of the most famous supreme court cases that deal with black issues i break them down and i tell you why i think they're important and what you can learn from them this week i'm gonna have to back up just a little so last week we did norris versus alabama and that was in 1935 this week we're going to back up about 20 years to 1915 with the case of gwen versus the united states and we're doing that because i want to deal with a topic that's very important that i somehow have not addressed yet i don't know how this happened and that's the topic of voting of course the franchise like it's critical to a democracy so i want to go to not the first case but an early case that deals with the franchise or voting rights so let's get into the facts of this case shall we wonderful so this case involves what we all know as a grandfather clause which essentially means your grandfather could do it so therefore you could do it without having to meet any additional requirements your grandfather could vote therefore you can vote and you don't need to do whatever other steps some other people may need to do. Um, it also involves literacy tests, which means in order to vote, you have to be, the, you have to be able to read or write something. Um, these are, of course, as we'll see here, all things that they did to exclude black people who were historically kept out from being able to be educated or their ancestors were also kept out of voting. So it's just a way of excluding black people while also allowing white people to participate and vote. So this case involves Oklahoma. Oklahoma joined the union in 1907. And when they did that, they presented a constitution that allowed everyone to vote. Well, men, cause you know, women, we weren't even an option. We're not even gonna get into that right now. But um, it allowed men to vote, um, largely men. And so they did that, they passed it. They were, it was great. Everyone's like, great, you can come to the union. This is wonderful. Then almost immediately, the next year in 1907, they put an amendment or they added an amendment to their constitution that seriously reduced who could vote. And what they did was say, in order to vote, you have to pass um, literacy tests, which means you have to be able to read or write parts of our constitution. And if you can't do that, then you can't register to vote. But if you can't do that and two things, one or two things apply to you, then you can still go ahead and vote because it's fine. And so this is where the grandfather clause comes in. It's essentially, if you or one of your um, ancestors, your, your grandfather, father, were able to vote in some government, some state government, before or on January 1st, 1866, then you can vote without needing to pass a literacy test. Or if you, you or your father, grandfather, whomever, because of course this is all through the male lineage, if one of you all could vote in a foreign country or if you were a citizen rather of a foreign country then you can vote and the significance of that is that you're saying to the white people who were because 1865 is when the civil war was over and so all this date of 1866 is before the ratification of the 15th amendment which is the voting amendment so what this rule did which is you have oklahoma reaching back 40 years before it was even a state to make up this this ruling this amendment 
saying, okay, basically white males, even if you're illiterate, you can vote. And European immigrants, um, even if you're uh, illiterate, you can vote. As long as you're a white male, it's fine. It's fine. We got you. But black people who we know we have historically kept out of being educated and franchised and having the franchise, we're going to exclude you and put all these requirements on you. And so what happened is um, the U.S. attorney within Oklahoma didn't like it at all. It's like this is an affront to the 15th Amendment. Um, and so they ended up filing criminal charges on two of the people who worked in the um, elections office, uh, Frank Gwynn and J.J. Beal. So that's how you have the Gwynn case. So this is a criminal trial. They were brought up on criminal charges in Oklahoma and no one really thought that they would be convicted. I mean, it's 19, this case happened in 1911 in Oklahoma. Um, but remarkably, they were convicted and the judge in his orders to the jury said, look, if you think these elected um, officials, they did, you know, just kind of made a mistake, you can't really convict them. But if you think that they're being intentional about their actions to exclude black people, then you need to find them guilty. And that's what they did. They found um, Gwen and Beal guilty and they appealed and it went all the way up to the Supreme Court. What are the issues here? To back up and give some full context to the issue, I think it's important to mention another important voting case that happened in the 1800s, um, and that is United States versus Reese. And there, um, there was another criminal case where the United States was claiming that these elector, electoral officials were intentionally excluding black people and they were brought up on charges under the Enforcement Act. And the issue there was that the Enforcement Act's criminal charges were based upon the 15th Amendment, which is the voting amendment. Um, and the Supreme Court there said essentially, and it really narrowed what was meant by the 15th Amendment and what the, the writers, the drafters of the 15th Amendment wanted. And they said that the 15th Amendment doesn't actually give people the right to vote. It's not a positive right. Rather, what it does is say that you can't exclude people or you can't narrow or deny people a certain right because of their race. So the states are still able to determine whatever requirements they want for how you can vote and you know, what are the qualifications for voting, as long as those qualifications don't turn on whether or not it's somebody's race. And um, the court didn't have to read it that way, but that's how they chose to read it. And so it's like you, the 15th Amendment doesn't give you the right to vote. It just means that the states can't deny your right to vote because of your race. So in this case, getting back to Gwen, you had the issue there. The, the United States sort of concedes that yes, the state of Oklahoma can create a literacy test. That's fine. But what they can't do is to create these grandfather clauses that essentially are repugnant to the 15th Amendment because they, are, they function as denying uh, people the right to vote because of their race. And so the court was essentially having to determine whether or not this requirement, this January 1st, 1866, or grandfather clause was repugnant to the 15th Amendment, which means that it went against it. It was, you know, an affront to that. So that was the issue. What's the holding? So the holding was yes. Essentially, yes. The court said yes, it is repugnant to the 15th Amendment, this grandfather clause. And so it outruled or, or overturned the grandfather clauses. The court did not say, however, that you cannot um, have literacy tests. 
The court said, you know, absent this grandfather clause that was uh, repugnant to the 15th Amendment, a literacy test is fine because it's racially neutral on its face. The reasoning. So yes, the court said, okay, you can have the literacy test if you remove the repugnant part, which is this grandfather clause. Um, but what the court had to look at kind of three things was, is this essentially, is this January 1st, 1866 requirement, is it really denying black people the right to vote um, in, a you know, in a discriminatory way? And it's like, yes, you know, to, to turn a blind eye to this is to deny the obvious, which again, you know, no one really thought or that that would be the case necessarily because no uh, segregation law had really been overturned up until this point. Um, they were allowing these things, the courts were allowing these things, but this one was so blatant, the court said. I mean, there's no reason other than to exclude black people to have this date of January 1st, 1866. It wasn't just coincidental. It was an intentional date to exclude black people because black people were largely not included into people who were literate or people who could um, say that they or their uh, ancestors were able to vote before 1866. What's also interesting to point out here that I didn't mention earlier was this is the first case that the NAACP wrote what's a, called a friend of the court brief or amicus brief saying that Gwen's conviction should be upheld. And this is, you see the NAACP, which was founded in 1909, really stepping into the legal field and trying to take legal action against discrimination, against segregation. And so of course they were touting this as a big victory, as a win. Unfortunately, the way how, as things would progress, this really didn't ultimately become a win because Oklahoma immediately went back and just amended what they wrote and said, okay, fine, 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 fine. If you could vote in 1914, because this case was decided in 1915, if you could vote in 1914, then you're still able to vote. So then that means, again, all those white men could still vote. And if you want to vote now, in the future, you need to vote, I think they said a ridiculously short time period of like April 30th through May 11th. I'm, I'm roughly about that range. Sometime in April to sometime in May of the next year, you had to register to vote then. If you did not, then you were forever banned. Forever banned. So then what happens? Of course, black men are again excluded from voting and the Supreme Court turned a blind eye. It wasn't until, I wanna say 1939, when they finally struck down the, the literacy test altogether. Um, and then of course, the right to vote really being given with the Voting Rights Act in the 1960s. But, you know, they fought and they struggled and it was a win because it's great to, for the court to not deny the obvious but it then ultimately did nothing to sort of buttress that support and so they were able to to disenfranchise black people and by disenfranchising a majority of black people the southern democrats were able to gain power and to just sort of implement white supremacy and to implement these segregation laws and really drive home the force of jim crow during this period so why is this case important? Well, it's important because it deals with voting, which is so essential, it's so fundamental to a democracy. You can't have a democracy if you're keeping people from the having the ability to vote. And yet this is happening time and time again. There's a whole history of cases that addresses this issue. Um, and so you have to kind of wonder, well, you know, why are you trying to keep people from voting if you truly care about democracy? Not only are you harming black people, which you are on it, doubtedly doing but you're also undermining the very nature 
of this country, the very nature of our democracy. And so I think it's important that we recognize that we must be ever vigilant about people's desires to undermine uh, the democracy by taking away the ability to vote from people. Because it's just been tweaked, just like we saw with the, the Gwynn case. Oklahoma didn't say, okay, well now we'll let every, all black people vote. What they said is fine, we'll just fine tune whatever you put there. And so we'll still allow some people to vote and some people not to vote. And the Supreme Court left them alone largely for um, a good portion, um, a, a good amount of time to really into the 1960s. Um, and so we have to be ever vigilant for our democracy. I think it's also important because it shows that whatever laws we have today, it does not matter because you can have the Supreme Court that either upholds them, but then the court, like I said, the states will come back and undermine them, or you have the Supreme Court just completely narrow, narrowing the scope and the protections that they give. The cause of justice is never one where we can ever rest and say, okay, it's done now. We have to be ever present, ever fighting because the forces of injustice are always looking at a way, scheming and trying to find a way to disenfranchise, to keep people off the jury box, whatever it is. And so we must be ever present and ever fighting the good fight for justice. If you would like to know more about this case, I have some resources for you. This book by an author I mentioned before, Lawrence Goldstone, it's called On Account of Race, The Supreme Court, White Supremacy, and the Ravaging of African-American Voting Rights. It mentions a little briefly the Gwen case, but it's really good for giving kind of a fuller context to this discussion of disenfranchising black people in American history. And so this is a great read. Um, especially goes into detail more about the United States versus Reese, that case, and why that's important. If you like this video, please be sure to hit the like button, whether that's a heart or a thumbs up or whatever it is. Please, please, please share this video with anyone you think may be interested in it or anyone you think needs to hear it. <laughs> I would appreciate all the shares that I can get. Please be sure to subscribe to my Facebook page, Paluki's World Productions, my YouTube page, um, my Instagram page, which is Paluki's World and my Twitter account, which is Paluki's World. I have a TikTok, but I just do funny stuff there. So, you know, if you wanna see a sillier side of me, you can do that. Please also subscribe to my blog, my website, palukisworld.com, um, and you'll never miss anything there. Whether I post a video or article, you'll always get it first to your email address. Thank you all so much for watching. Until next time, you all stay safe, take care, God bless. To watch the video series that inspired this podcast, Head over to my blog, palookiesworld.com, and make sure you subscribe. For more information on the series, like how do you spell Paluki, please check out the show notes. Finally, please be sure to subscribe to this podcast so that you never miss an episode.